are about to listen to Where Your Treasure Is, the podcast where faith and finance meet. Please note that the views expressed are our own and in no way represent any form of financial advice. And remember, investments can go down as well as up. Happy listening. Welcome to episode six in our current season on giving. From the last episode, we were left with this question, how much should we give? And we've left it until now because there was so much groundwork to cover, but we're now at a stage where we can tackle this topic. Simon, we've spoken in the past about how much to give, specifically in terms of what the Bible says about giving. We've touched on the tithe, the 10% rule, and how Jesus taught about giving generously, sacrificially, joyfully, and so on. So what is there actually left to talk about today? Well, today, Bex, we're going to talk about how much to give from a financial perspective rather than the spiritual perspective. Now, when it comes to giving overall, whether of money or of time, it needs to be a deliberate choice that is guided both by biblical teaching and also the Holy Spirit. But once the decision to give and how much to give overall has been made, there are still some nuances to the giving question and some interesting perspectives to consider. That sounds good. So where are we going to start today? In our last episode, we talked about the opportunity cost of giving. And that means that when we give to one cause, we can't give that same money or time to another cause. And for this reason, we have to be deliberate about how much we give to different causes based upon how important they are to us. And that might look like taking your total giving budget and dividing it into categories and then dividing the categories into individual gifts. This is something we've spoken about in the past where we might choose an amount to give to our local church and then an amount to give to other non-church causes. And that is certainly what I do with my giving and I know, Bex, it's something you do too. Now, at least once a year and sometimes more often, I will review how much I'm giving and to whom. And what does this process actually look like, Simon? What is it that you're considering when you review giving this way? Is it just who you're giving to and how much you're giving or are there other factors you think about as well? So the starting point is absolutely to consider, should I be changing my overall giving? And again, we're doing from a financial perspective, not a spiritual perspective. So some of our giving as a family is based on percentages and some is based on specific amounts. Now, if I never change my giving year on year, then I would very quickly end up giving less in real terms. And when you say in real terms, are you talking about the impact of inflation, which we know is a really big issue right now, or about your income, which might also be a factor in that? So strictly speaking, in real terms does refer to the impact of inflation. But when we consider how many Christians give using a percentage of their salary, for example, then it can also refer to real terms compared to salary. Let me give you an example. You know how much I love an example, Simon. And if I were you, I would say something like, Bex, imagine you earn £24,000, you've chosen to give 10% to church, and inflation was 10% last year. You know me so well, Bex. I love my numbers, and nice round numbers work really well. And usually, that's exactly the kind of thing I would do. But I'm going to pick something a little bit different today. According to the ONS, the Office of National Statistics, my personal favourite office, which we haven't heard from in quite a while. So according to the ONS, the average wage in the UK 
as of April 2023. Which is a few months ago from when we're recording this episode. Was about £34,000 a year. But 10 years earlier than that, the average wage in the UK was about £25,000 a year. So about £9,000 a year less. So average earnings have increased by a little bit more than 30% over the past 10 years. But that doesn't mean that everyone is 30% better off than they were 10 years ago, does it? No. And for a whole variety of reasons. So those numbers, first of all, are averages. So some people will have experienced more than 30% increases in their salary and some less than 30%. People's income usually also increases with age and with experience or qualification, at least to a certain extent. And then there are younger people coming into the workforce who didn't have any income 10 years ago. And then there's those who've retired who will have no earnings, but will be living off pension income and savings. And then, of course, there's the impact of the dreaded inflation. What's that done over the past 10 years? Well, whilst we know that right now, it's mid-2023 we're recording, inflation is running at about 8%. And that's the Consumer Prices Index measure of inflation. And that's higher than it's been for about 40 years, actually. But if you average it out over the past 10 years and add it all together, the total is a bit higher than 30% which is actually is pretty close to the long-term average, about 3% a year. So you're saying that although average wages have gone up by about 30%, inflation has as well. Does that mean that on average, we're not better off than we were 10 years ago? Pretty much exactly that. What average earnings could buy 10 years ago, average earnings today can buy about the same amount of stuff. We earn more, but everything costs more too. And how do we relate that to how much we give? Let's come back to your suggested figures, Bex. If you had decided to give 10% of your salary to the church 10 years ago, you would have been earning about £2,000 a month and therefore giving about £200 a month. And I'm ignoring complications of tax and national insurance and gift aid just to keep the numbers simple. So £200 a month. 10 years later on... On average, you're now earning about £2,700 a month. But if you're still giving just £200 a month, that means your giving to the church has decreased as a percentage of your income to 7.4%. Your giving has both stayed the same. It's £200, but it's also decreased by a third, 10% down to 7.4%. And then if we think about the other side of inflation... The costs of running churches and ministries and charities will have gone up over the past 10 years. Their costs will be 30% higher as well. So if we want to be deliberate about our giving, then we need to consider increasing our giving. But is that in line with inflation or in line with income? Because those two things won't always be the same, will they? No, they won't. Actually, it's quite unusual for them to be so similar. After a, a pay rise, after a promotion... I would generally encourage people to review their giving. Should they be giving more to existing causes? Or do they now have more income to be able to give some to new causes? In the same way, if you reduce your hours, take a pay cut, lose your job, or you retire, you should review your giving to see if you should be reducing it. And I imagine people are pretty good at reviewing their expenditure when income falls, but perhaps not as good when income rises. You feel a bit richer, you start spending money on more things. 
rather than deciding to increase your giving instead. Again, we've spoken about this issue in the past. It is the bane of church treasurers everywhere. Regular, committed, godly people, part of the congregation, giving, but they never review how much they give. If you haven't considered how much you're giving recently, then put it on your to-do list. It honors both those you are giving to, the causes you're giving to, and it also honors God that you're being deliberate and diligent with what he has given you to steward. So that's one of the things you consider when reviewing your giving, Simon. What else do you look at? So I usually start with that overall giving, and then I break it down according to my giving policy and my priorities. So I start with the local church, and I work out whether I should be changing how much I give to them, either because of a change in income or possibly because of a change in the cost of them running their ministries. Now, as I always intend to give to the church, it's not a question of whether I'm going to give or am I going to stop. It's only ever a question of how much. But after that, I then look at who else I'm currently giving to. And perhaps I might have a short list of causes that I'm considering giving to at my next review. And I know that you mentioned previously that you prefer to give to Christian charities, but are there other criteria that you employ when deciding on who to give to? Yeah, there are. I like to have a specific connection with the charities that I support on a regular basis. Now, that might mean I know somebody connected with the charity, or it might be that their objective is very closely aligned with my own values. And knowing that I have limited capacity to give, I want to be deliberate in how that money and how that time is allocated. Now, this means that sometimes I might choose to stop giving to one cause or reduce my giving to one organization so that I can start to give or give more to another one. So being someone who's employed for at least some of my time by an organization that's funded by charitable giving, it makes me feel a bit uncomfortable that people can just decide to stop giving whenever they like. Is that something you ever think about as a giver? Yeah, it is. And for much the same reason. So I'm a a trustee of a couple of charities, and I know that the financial security of a charity can be quite precarious. We just don't know what next year's income is going to look like. What a charity wants is security of income, but charitable giving is by its very nature uncertain. So to alleviate this, at least to some degree, I ask myself the following question before I decide to give. Is this a cause that I am willing to give to regularly for maybe a number of years? And if it is, then I will set up a standing order. I will complete a gift aid declaration where appropriate. And in some cases, I will communicate my intention to commit to regular giving for a set period to the charity. And that gives that charity a bit more security of income, at least for that agreed period. When the period comes to an end... I will then reassess whether to renew that commitment and keep giving or to stop giving. And what if you don't answer that question with a yes? So you're saying you're not prepared to commit to giving for the long term. So in that case, I either choose just not to give at all or I choose to only give a one-off gift instead. And that's much like what you would do with some of your giving, isn't it, Bex? Yeah. So having decided how much to give, but not always who I'm going to give to, I have a fund within my budget that I can give from in a spontaneous but deliberate way. The amount that I'm giving is deliberate. It's prayerfully and thoughtfully decided. 
But I wait to see where the need is and where I feel called to give before actually giving it away. And I find that this gives me both the discipline to give, but also the freedom to be led by the Spirit in that. But that kind of giving isn't ideal for regular gifts, is it? No, that particular pot is great for friends who are maybe raising money through sponsorship, for organizations I come across who I want to support, but not on a long-term or regular basis, or acute emergency situations. It's great to encourage charity workers by giving, but also by explaining that my regular giving is very deliberate and that I don't have the capacity to give regularly to them at that particular moment. Yeah, it can be really hard having conversations with people who are passionate about raising money for their cause, their charity, and you're just not quite ready to give regularly to that need. This kind of giving can be very money-centric. It's about how much money we're going to hand over. But we can also think about giving of our time, as well as the other kinds of giving we covered in episode two. Absolutely. You mentioned last episode that even more so than money, there's an opportunity cost with giving time. We can't make more time. We can't take time back. And we can't bring future time into the present. All we can do is spend the time we have right now. You and I clearly think that it's worth our time recording this podcast, but in doing so, it means we're not spending this time working or strengthening relationships or doing a whole range of other things that we could be doing. So how might we approach the question of how much time to give? Is it similar to how we decide about giving money? I would say that you can certainly employ some of the same practices, but not all of them. I mean, would it be right to give a percentage of our time or... Whereas we can give money to support causes all over the world, we can't give time to be on mission in Africa this afternoon and then be around to meet our church small group this evening, can we? Well, you say that, but actually after the COVID pandemic, we've all come to realise that the world is a much smaller place and that a lot more can be achieved on video calls. So maybe I could zoom in from mission and still join in the Bible study, absolutely. But I probably couldn't serve on the kids team on a Sunday morning if I'm over in Kenya, could I? that would be a lot more challenging and perhaps not the safest or wisest decision. But to pick up on your point, if we took a legalistic approach and allocated, say, 10% of our time to God, that would be, and I have prepared the math for this one in advance, 16.8 hours a week. That's roughly equivalent to one whole waking day. So we might argue that a Sabbath day is equivalent to a tithe of our time. Of course, we might decide to give more or less of our time to God. And how we give our time might vary from going to church to serving in church or an associated ministry or attending a midweek Bible study or small group. After that, we could then choose additional giving of time to other causes as we feel led. And that leads me to another thought when it comes to gifting time. No doubt many of us have experienced the following kind of situation. You're asked to help out for an hour or two, once a month, to a really worthy cause. But once you start volunteering, you find that those couple of hours every month begin to turn into several hours every couple of weeks with additional demands at other times. I know that feeling really well. And it's so tricky because you suddenly begin to feel trapped by the commitment you made. And sometimes you can even begrudge the work that you're doing because you feel as though you've been misled or you're stuck even though you're just a volunteer, it can all become a bit awkward. What can we do about this? So just as in the same way that I would only want to commit money on a regular basis to a cause I really want to support, 
I would be very cautious about committing time regularly. So quite recently, I asked a friend of mine to volunteer some of his time to a cause that was important to me. And whilst he was willing, we both agreed to be very clear on the following three factors. So number one, how much of his time was I asking for and how often? Now, it was about a two-hour meeting once every six months. So not a huge commitment, part one. Number two, would there be any additional time or work requirements out with that meeting? Now, both he and I are fully aware that some meetings need preparatory work or follow-up work to be carried out. And I confirmed to him that none of that was expected. He could turn up with no preparation and leave with no responsibilities. I really wanted him to be there just in his own capacity. And then number three, how long was the commitment for? Now, this is the one that people most often forget to consider at the start of a voluntary relationship. It's not just how much time each week or each month is being requested, but how long is the arrangement going to last? It is very different volunteering for a couple of hours every week or every month for, say, the next six months compared to the same level of commitment, but for the next six years or even longer. Whereas it might be relatively easy to stop giving money to a cause, it can be quite difficult to stop volunteering on some duty when you can clearly see the impact of you just not being there anymore. And so how do you deal with that? How do you decide how long you're prepared to commit for? So if you're being asked to volunteer, the first question to pose back is, well, how long do you want me to volunteer for? Now, I imagine many people have never been asked that question, actually. But it's better to start off with similar expectations, and then there's much less chance of either party being disappointed in the future. With my friend, I asked him to commit to two years, and then we would both reassess. If he wanted to keep serving, and I still wanted him to, then we could agree for a further two years. But either of us had the right to stop at that point. And that wasn't a bit formal? What if something happens and you need to change your mind sooner? Well, the formality actually helps in many ways. I've come across many people who are serving in ministries, in church or in charities, with no clear idea of how they can ever stop serving without feeling they're letting people down. It becomes much less like joyful service to God in those times and much more like dutiful responsibility to the church or to the charity, which is not the way it's supposed to be. When we read in 2 Corinthians 9 that God loves a cheerful giver, I don't think Paul was just talking about money. If you've committed to serve for six months or even for two years and you find yourself getting a bit tired or jaded, it's easy to think, I've only got so long to go until I've fulfilled my current commitment. It's also easier to say to those you're serving, when I get to the end of my current commitment, I'm afraid I won't be able to keep going. This will come as much less of a surprise to them. And it also means that the responsibility to find a replacement is theirs and not yours. Or they can choose to ask you in advance, hey, you're coming towards the end of your initial commitment. Are you still willing to keep serving? And if so, for how long? So formal, yes, but it helps put our volunteering into much clearer parameters. 
And I suppose I've experienced that formality in my own life from both sides of the coin as well. I maybe just didn't recognize it before. So when I first got involved with youth and I was speaking to the Lord about that and kind of weighing that up, ultimately I came to the conclusion that in an ideal world, if external factors didn't change, I would love to commit to at least six years and see a whole group of young people from the start of secondary school to the end. And equally, when I ask people to be involved in our group for the older youth, I ask them to commit to two years because that means they're seeing a whole year group through that process. And ultimately, both of those things aren't for the sake of formality, but it's about relationship and it's about being able to commit to being there for those people. But as it so happens, we are coming to the end of the amount of time I've committed to recording this episode of Where Your Treasure Is, but not episodes in general. You'll be relieved to hear. Thank goodness. So (laughs) breathe a sigh of relief, everyone. Before we wrap things up for today, are there any final thoughts you want to give us on this question of how much we give? Why not? Let me throw into the mix some final parting comments in case they help people with some of their giving deliberations. Number one, giving is a really important part of the Christian life, so it's important that we get a handle on it. Now, perhaps that means consider your giving in different terms than just percentages or fixed amounts. Perhaps think about giving in terms of your your normal. What is normal for you? What do I mean? When you go out for a meal, is it normal for you to spend £10 or £50 or £200 on a meal? How does your giving compare to those numbers? Or if you're going on holiday, would you spend £500 or £2,000 or maybe £10,000 on a holiday? How does your giving compare to those numbers? Or perhaps in terms of the car that you drive, Is it only worth the gaffer tape that's holding it together? Do you spend hundreds of pounds a month on a a lease or a loan? Or do you like to buy a new car every few years for cash? How does your giving compare to that? Giving shouldn't be an afterthought. Once you've done all these things that you want to do, it should be deliberate and it should be a priority and it should also be proportionate to your normal. And number two, giving should be sacrificial. Now, fundamentally, all giving is sacrificial because it's money that you could otherwise be spending on yourself but there are scales when it comes to sacrifice do you think oh i can't give that much because i spent it all of the car and the holiday and the meal out or do you think actually i can't spend as much on the meal out and the holiday in the car because of how much i give that is sacrificial giving and number three it's not actually about how much you give it's more about how much you have left so in 2022 Bill Gates donated £20 billion to charity, a foundation he and his ex-wife set up. And that only left him with about £100 billion to live off. He had plenty left over. It wasn't really sacrificial. Now compare that to the story of the widow in Mark 12, who dropped two small copper coins into the temple treasury. And as Jesus put it, they gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. It depends on what you've got left after you've given. And number four, sometimes a small gift that you make can make a huge difference in another's life, certainly in terms of time and friendship and relationship, but also in terms of money. This is especially the case if you're giving to somebody who is in poorer financial circumstances than you. So a gift of £100 might be the equivalent to a couple of hours income for you. To someone on minimum wage, that could be two days work. 
And to someone from one of the poorest African countries, that could represent half a year's income. It's all proportional. So when it comes to working out how much we should give, we should be deliberate. We should consider the opportunity cost of giving and prioritise who we want to give to. We should also consider both our money and our time and do all this within the teaching of scripture and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And as we discussed in season four in our conversations about money, it can sometimes be really helpful to talk your thoughts through with someone else as well. Absolutely. That's why I enjoy speaking to you so much, Simon. And as ever, it's been a pleasure. So where are we going next with our giving season? Next time, we'll be talking about when we should give. We hope you can join us for that episode. But in the meantime, if you have any questions or comments or topics you'd like us to cover, you can get in touch with us in the usual ways via email or via Instagram. Until then, goodbye. Bye. This podcast has been brought to you by Free Range Podcasting. Let us take you where you and your podcast want to go.